0: snap wilson quarterback draw on third and 15
1: 20 15 10 oh he's gonna go five touchdown Cougars.
0: down the lane back to yo yo on the arc shoots a three and scores it the child's for three right putting a shot on goal it is a goal for at least this is behind the mic
1: with greg rubel brought to you by the byu store the official outfitter of byu fans everywhere and now here's greg rubel
0: Hello, good evening, happy Halloween, Cougar Nation. Welcome inside Studio 2 in our BYU radio complex at the BYU Broadcasting Building on the BYU campus here in Provo, Utah. For another edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel, our weekly hour of Cougar conversations with... BYU sports personalities from the current day and days gone by. Great to have you joining me on BYU Radio coast-to-coast on Sirius XM 143. We are also heard along the Wasatch Front on 107.9 FM and 89.1 FM HD2. You can stream our show online at byuradio.org and on the BYU Radio app for on-demand listening. Go to our Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel podcast or to byuradio.org with all of our archives located on the show's page. On this evening's show... With the Cougar Hoopsters on the eve of their exhibition finale and with the regular season opener only six days away, we have a BYU basketball-themed show with Cougar assistant coach Quincy Lewis and BYU's sixth all-time leading scorer Russell Larson tonight. Russ's interview is our Catching Up with the Cougars segment brought to you by BYU Alumni. We start, though, tonight with a former high school hoops star from Utah County who, as a player, had success in both the Beehive State and the Empire State. The son of a coach, Quincy Lewis, has followed in his father's footsteps through stops at BYU-Hawaii, UVU, Southern Utah, Lone Peak High School, and now BYU. He's been a national coach of the year and is in an Athletics Hall of Fame at a Division I institution. This season, he will help lead the Cougars through a challenging schedule in the hopes of getting BYU back to the NCAA Tournament. Pleasure to welcome Quincy Lewis behind the mic. Hey, thanks for having me, Rubes. Working at BYU is uh, is coming back home for you, right?
2: Oh, for sure. You know, I grew up here in Provo, and uh, we were in Cedar Hills when I was at Lone Peak, and uh, we moved back when I got the job, and it's been great. Your father was a coach. Where
0: was he coaching when you were growing up?
2: Uh, two places he actually was an assistant coach at Provo high had some guys uh, you might know the names of devin Durant and Gifford nielsen and a a, f- a few people like that, the law boys uh, but then he was a head coach at Tim Few for eleven years. I played for him at Tim Few and uh it was great and great and tough at the same time what was the
0: the great about it and what was the tough about it
2: great uh We won a state championship together, and that would probably be his, maybe the highlight of my athletic you know life is is win one with him. Uh, the tough is, you know, there's more than one time we'd go home uh, after practice and there wouldn't be any word said <laughs> on the drive home or at the uh, the dinner table. And uh, you knew you didn't have as good a practice as you needed to.
0: You mentioned winning a state title there with your dad. You won two state titles, so I guess one with and one without?
2: Yeah. second one was with his assistant, a guy named Don Chamberlain.
0: This is 1988-89? Yeah, you got it. Who were some of the players you were playing against? Anybody that uh, went on that people would know from those days? Oh, I
2: think they probably know the guy that works here at uh, (laughs) BYU named Brian Santiago. (laughs) And, you know, uh, I hate to even say this, you know, because I know Brian, but Brian was actually really a pretty good player.
0: So when it comes to your dad as a coach, what about the profession was appealing to you at a young age—
2: well, first of all, he told me never to be a coach, <laughs> you know, cause I think he, uh, you know, as a coach, you really feel the ups and downs, you know, uh, you know, of the profession and, uh, it's, it's very personal, you know, and, and maybe that can be different from a, a different occupation. You, you just don't leave it at, at the job. You, you come home and you bring it with you and, uh. But I, I think in, in the long run, I mean, he's he loves coming to ball games and things like that, so he's happy. You know, that, that's, hap- that's taken that's taking place with me. But as I as I grew up, I love being in the gym. Yeah, you know, I love uh, putting on sneakers, and uh, I love being able to teach every day in practice that's to me that's the that's the best part of the job
0: when you finished your temp view career and I guess did you finish off of back to back titles were those your last two years? yeah
2: so we won it my junior and
0: senior year yeah, yeah. what a great way to finish out right <laughs> hey, we'll take it right <laughs> so when you finished your high school playing career, uh what kind of interest were you getting
2: so I'd had smaller schools recruit me uh of all places University of Utah Lynn Archibald had recruited me and uh It's kind of a a tough situation. Uh, He, after season ended, I've been named MVP of the state, and he calls up and he says, hey, I want you to come up next week and want to have dinner and want to, you know, basically sign you to the University of Utah. And that's where I was really going, and two or three days later, he uh, was let go, and that's when uh, Rick Majerus came in. And so I was kind of left with you know not a lot, and uh, wound up going uh, to Dixie, which was a great decision, and uh, played for Ken Wagner, and then later uh, Coach Rose.
0: So when you got to Dixie in your first year, freshman year, Ken's the head coach, Dave's his assistant. Yeah, yeah. So so you did you have any interaction with Dave Rose before you got to Dixie? Did you know about him?
2: No, I just knew he was that number twenty four guy that hustled for the the Cougars, (laughs) the Houston Cougars, off the bench, you know, in the, the national championship game. I didn't know him at all. Uh, I knew I knew uh, Coach Wagner a little bit because he had been at Lehigh High School competing mm. against my dad for a few years, and I got to know him a little bit through that that way.
0: First year with Ken, then he leaves after one year, yeah. and the new head coach becomes Dave Rose.
2: Dave Rose, you know, uh, uh, kind of an amazing uh, journey I've had with Coach you know, on and off over the years, uh, but that was his first year as a college head coach.
0: Biggest difference between Dave Rose, rookie head coach at Dixie. To Dave Rose, now into his 14th season as a head coach at BYU. Uh,
2: I mean, you could really see the maturity. And and sometimes you say, well, that's just, you know, that's natural with, you know, any coach, you're going to have maturity. But that isn't necessarily true. Uh, I've seen him just take major steps in how he's progressed as a coach and, and how he views and looks at the game. And, you know, early in his career when I had him, it was, you know, I mean, it's always to play hard, you know, and and to get up and down the floor and those kind of things. But now there is just such a different perspective on the game.
0: You played one year with with Dave, and that was your second year at Dixie State. So now you're looking for the next place to go play. What kind of opportunities did you have after two years down in uh, down in St. George? Uh,
2: kind of a kind of a weird story. Uh, we're playing up at the College of Southern Idaho, and uh, we're in the second half, and I. I trip over a guy going full full length of the court. I go straight into a wall. Uh, I have a s- small fracture in my neck. And it knocks me out for the next two or three weeks. And uh, i had been having a really good year. Been leading the league in assists, averaging 16 points a game.
0: We should note that you were a point guard, right? I was a point yeah, guard. Yeah.
2: So I was having a good year. I had Northwestern, Fresno State, Boise State. I had some I had some really good uh, people that were recruiting me. And uh uh, when I got back, I wasn't the same i didn't play very well and so uh it wound up being Weber State or Wagner and uh my dad' so schools s- dropped off then you yeah te- everybody you say- dropped off so anyway, that was my choice Wagner Weber, and uh you know Ronna Baglin had just got the Weber State job and knew him pretty well uh but my dad had served admission in new york and um and so i just I wanted something different. I wanted a chance to play you know at Syracuse or in the Meadowlands or in Madison square garden and and so that was that was worth the chance to me, and i I took it
0: so it had been all beehive state for you essentially as a player, born and raised the whole thing, and you had this chance to leave Utah for staten island
2: staten island yeah, i mean it was uh it was amazing and uh uh kind of a scary trip uh initially, I was the only uh, l d s uh kid on the campus, and um uh being at Dixie away from home had helped me be able to make that kind of a transition. I don't think I could have done it out of high school. Uh, but going back there, it wound up being as good a decision I've ever made.
0: Okay. First impressions of ending up back East and getting on campus there.
2: <laughs> well, I, I stayed in a a 14 floor dorm, uh, right at on top of Staten Island. And, uh, they had these big bay windows. And so every morning I'd, I'd leave my dorm room and I'd look out these bay windows and you'd see the statue of Liberty and the two uh, twin towers and uh so that was a little bit different
0: (laughs) so looking back on your wagner playing days i mentioned you're 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 a member of an athletics hall of fame and it is at wagner college
2: you know it was it was a lot of fun uh we uh when i first got there they were they'd had a horrible just a horrible year they were four and 24 uh the year before i got there and they brought in some european kids and uh they had one kid from long island that they had coming back that was a really good player and uh my first year there, we went sixteen and twelve. Uh, the second year, we went eighteen and twelve. Um, we were within one second of going to the NCAA tournament. Kid hit a shot, a runner at the buzzer, or we would end up playing Kentucky the first game. Mm. Uh, but it was really cool to kind of be involved with a program where you see the improvement. You know, because I'd only been in places at Timpview and Dixie where. The very, very highest level was expected, and that was what was done before you got there, and that's what was expected before you got there. So this was a different experience for me. You're building, yeah, you're building it, and uh, you know it's it's crazy. You know, you get into a, a lower Division One situation, which Wagner was, and like my second year, we didn't have one home game in the preseason. So you, you talk about uh, going half out and earning money for the athletic department. That's what we did. I mean, we played at Syracuse, we went to the Meadowlands and played there. I mean, that's that's how. I mean that's just that was normal. How was it to be so close to the big
0: dance, getting uh, in? Oh,
2: geez, it it took my heart out. Yeah, it it, it just took my heart out. We uh, we had uh, made a shot with four seconds left, and uh, took the lead by one. And kid went the length of the floor and made the shot. And uh, I mean that's that was your biggest goal, and you wanted to do it, and you know. And that's uh, honestly, Greg, that's uh, that's part of why I'm here at BYU. I that's something I really want.
0: BYU's been there a lot. Yeah. And and you're you're still looking to taste it for the first time here at BYU.
2: Yeah. And uh boy, you want to taste it. You know, not only do you want to taste it, you want to give yourself a chance once you get there to maybe make something happen. You know, and uh, you know, when I was at Wagner I I knew that you're probably a sixteen seed and unlike this last year, you know, it's one out of uh you know, one out of three hundred that you're gonna win. I, I kinda knew what that was. But the thing that's neat here at BYU is if you can get in I mean, you can see what the Loyolas and the George Masons and all those kind of people, things can happen.
0: Okay, before the break, uh, your coaching career began at BYU-Hawaii, and I, I imagine that's because of your connection with Ken, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I got done at Wagner, and I did a master's degree. I will just whisper this. I did it at the University <laughs> of Utah, you know, but uh, uh, but once I got done, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And uh, so I called uh, Coach Wagner, and uh, he gave me an opportunity to – teach and coach and do some athletic administrations
0: time for a short break when we come back my conversation with BYU basketball assistant coach Quincy Lewis continues this is behind the mic with Greg Grubel brought to you by the BYU store the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere more with coach Lewis right after this
1: Welcome back to Behind the Mic, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Here's your host, Greg Rubel.
0: Continuing my conversation with BYU basketball assistant coach Quincy Lewis, Cougars in Westminster tomorrow night, and then the season opener at Nevada uh, next Tuesday in Reno. Before the break, we talked about, uh, Quincy, your coaching career beginning at BYU-Hawaii.
2: You know, BYU-Hawaii, I had a couple years there uh, working with coach Wagner and, and he was, he was fantastic. You know, he kind of threw me in the fire a little bit and said, Hey, this is what I need you to do and, and go do it. And so I learned a lot, uh, a lot from coach Wagner. Uh, I then spent five years at Utah Valley when it was a junior college. And that was a great experience for me, uh, just because of the junior college nature. And so, uh, once I got done there, I spent one year at Southern Utah, uh, and then, um, Twelve years at Lone Peak High School, so it's been a little bit of an odyssey. You know, we've hit every uh, every level of basketball except for pro. I think from BYU Hawaii, a D two school, right? Yeah, to UVSC at the time,
0: which was JUCO. Yeah, and then Southern Utah, which was Division One. Correct. So, if you're on a certain trajectory, the decision to go to high school and start a new phase of your career,
2: what led you to that? You know, it's interesting. We, uh, my wife and I, we just barely had our our first uh, child at uh, Southern Utah in the winter winter time. And uh, we'd went through that year, and honestly I got to a point where I, I wasn't sure if coaching was what I wanted to do or not. And uh, we'd been accepted into a doctoral program at UNLV, mm. and that was kind of the direction we were going. And uh, What would you have done with that? Uh, it was in sociology, yeah. And that's what I taught at BYU-Hawaii was sociology. Okay. And uh, so anyway, we... Uh, uh, that 's where we were going Is first part of April, and uh, I end up calling andrew may 's dad of all people Mike, uh, Mike May, yeah. who had just be finished his first season at Lone Peak as a head coach and I was uh, talking to him about bringing his team down for team camp to southern Utah and whatever and he says, well, as a matter of fact quince uh, we uh, I, I just got got out of the Coaching gig. I'm done. I'm gonna go into administration. And he says to me, Hey, do you want the job? <laughs> and I said, uh, well, uh, you know, I, I don't know about that. I, I have some other things and whatever. So I get off the phone with him and I tell my wife and I said, Lone Peak's open and, and we had actually lived out in Alpine for a few years, my my family had. And so I knew the area. And uh uh she says, Well, maybe you ought to think about that. And I go ah oh, no i don't i don't think that's the direction I want to go let 's just let 's just go to u n l v and uh <laughs> a couple of days later she goes uh well what, what do you think now?" and I go nope, we 're done we 're going to UNLV. and she goes no no we 're not you 'll never live with yourself unless you uh, try being a head coach and she goes we 're going to Lone Peak, and I guess the rest is history at Lone Peak."
0: 2004 through 2015, 12 seasons worth, and in those 12 seasons, you win seven state championships, 2005, 2007, 2008, and then an amazing four-year run, 2011 through 14, and I think those are tied to T.J. Haas, right? He's one of those rare guys that can say he won a state championship in every year of his high school career, including a freshman year.
2: Yeah, in boys basketball in the state of Utah, there's only two players in the history that have only they've won four state championships in a row. That's uh, T.J. Haas and Zach Frampton.
0: Both at the same, same school. Yeah. At the same time. <laughs>
2: That's right. When did you
0: sense that you had something special going there?
2: You know, uh, the, f- the first year uh, I was there, we, Jackson was a junior, and Jackson Emery had not played one minute as a sophomore. Uh, and i I got a chance to you know obviously literally, watch him. literally did not play did not play one minute they did not play one minute as a sophomore and uh I got to watch him there during the spring, I was like, geez, this guy this guy's got some talent he's he's a little bit wild he, he was a little explosive as as you know the Emory's have you know have that competitive streak in him uh but I was like, you know this kid could be really good and uh you know we uh we went through we played Timview, who was a nationally ranked team and uh uh, really? I was like, boy, I don't know if we can hang fifteen or within fifteen or twenty points of these guys. We might be might be all right. And uh, as it turns out, we end up winning winning the game. This is our, my second game ever coaching at Lone Peak, and we end up winning our first seventeen of the year. We were seventeen and zero. And uh, I was like, man, this is easy. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't easy as we <laughs> l- later found out. But uh, that's when I was like, you know what? I think that some special things can happen at Lone Peak if we do the right things, uh, put some things in place with younger kids.
0: Lone Peak became a national name. You won a national coach of the year as the team won. Although there's not a real system for it, you won a national championship at the high school ranks. Uh, when, when these kinds of things were happening, what did you envision for yourself at that point?
2: You, you know, I was, uh, when we first went to Lone Peak, we had said, we're going to give it two years and see where we're at. And after two years, we had one state championship and it went really well. We really enjoyed it. Uh, love getting to know all the kids at the school, a lot of good things. And, uh, uh, after that second year, we also, we were offered the opportunity to be the head coach at Dixie. And, uh, we ended up turning that down at the time. And, uh, I didn't know if I was interested to get back into college or not. And, um, but as the years went on uh, I kind of wanted something a little bit different and uh wanted a little bit different challenge and naturally uh, college was it and uh, then this thing with BYU came along and it, you know be be back with coach Rosen it was, it's been great. So much of coaching is timing what made the timing right after your seven state
0: championships and I think the season after was when the BYU position opened up.
2: You're right timing is what it's all about and uh you know, uh, after we won the national championship and then we won the, the, the fourth in a row. Uh, and that, that was kind of a goal of ours and you know, nobody had ever done it in the state. And, uh, I think sometimes coaches say, well, I don't really have these goals to win this many things or that, but you know what I always did, you know, because that pushed me to try and do better with our teams. And, uh, but once we had done that and we won a national championship, I, you hate to say it because there's always more that you can do, but I just felt like i kind of done as much as I could do at Lone Peak. And uh, and the opportunity here presented itself just at the right time. You're three seasons in now
0: here at BYU, starting your fourth, right? Yeah. And, and now the current staff ha- has you and Coach Lacombe, Coach Rose, with Lee Kamard, a former GA, and Nate Austin, former Lone Peak guy, now the new GA. Yeah.
2: How do you like the current group? I really like them. Uh, it's, a, it's a group that really works well together. And there's a... Uh, I think that your players can feel how well a group works together as a staff and it makes a difference. And, and this, this staff is very good that way.
0: Responsibilities change year to year based on who's around and who's not. What's on your plate this year
2: as a coach? Well, uh, obviously a little bit more responsibility. I, I mourn uh, where Coach Schroyer was last year. Uh, so I'll be responsible for practice plans and then uh, offense and, and defense. It's not that I'm the sole person in that's in charge of that i mean coach lacombe and you know coach kamard and you know andrew may or you know and obviously coach rose but we all will collaborate uh to put together uh the best uh you know scheme or offense or uh whatnot you know, for a particular game or for a season. It's a top-down
0: thing, of course, starting with Coach Rose, but uh, you're being asked to share your influence in, in how plans are put together this year. How, will, how do you think you'll be able to describe BYU's offensive and defensive
2: approaches this season? Uh, I'll begin with the defense. The uh, defense is something that will be very similar uh, as far as our approach uh, to what we did last year. And, uh, you know, we felt like we made some improvements last year and uh, we want to continue to do that uh offensively i think that uh last year we made improvements in the half court uh and what we would like to add to that this year is uh uh, part of our transition game especially with our personnel i think you can't go into a season and say okay this is what we're going to do without considering who your personnel are Mm -hmm. and uh, we have some guys who i think are better in space uh and so we want to try and do that uh but at the same time uh, continuing on with being able to execute in the half court.
0: Okay, what's uh, your personal outlook for the uh, 2018-19 season for these guys?
2: Shoot, uh, I'm really excited, Rubes. Uh, you know, I I think we have a, a great opportunity here. Uh, I think we have an opportunity to get in the NCAA tournament, and uh, it's like I tell our team. I told them way back in the summer. I said, all you got to do is get in, just get in, and then all kinds of things can happen once you get there. But you just have to figure out how to get in.
0: Okay. Uh, share with our listeners uh, your family situation, uh, where the ages are, and and, and, uh, and de- especially talk about your wife and, uh, and and give us her name, et cetera.
2: Yeah, so uh, uh, my wife and I, uh, her name is Debbie. Uh, we have uh, four children. Uh, Kodiak is 15. He's at uh, over at Tentview High School right now. And then we have a 12-year-old, uh, Cooper, and then I have two little girls, uh, 10 and uh, 7, uh, Maeve and uh, Mallory. And they're pretty excited about Halloween tonight, so that's, yeah. it should be pretty good. Uh, my wife is a part-time counselor at a charter school over in American Forks, so we stay we stay very busy. I think she's a part-time Uber driver from about three to uh, eight at night, you <laughs> yeah, know, Monday through Thursday. So,
0: uh, do do your kids? Any of them uh, gravitate towards sports?
2: Yeah. So uh, uh, my son Cooper's in uh, baseball and basketball, and uh, so he's 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 pretty pretty busy with those things, and then. Uh, my youngest daughter, uh, Mallory, loves soccer, and uh, she's just jumped into that and loves it. And uh, And then uh, my my older daughter's uh, in cheer, and my oldest boy, is, uh, he's kind of gravitated into debate and is doing great with it. Well, it's great to have you here.
0: And the last couple of things before we wrap it up. Coach Rose, within a couple of seasons, will become the winningest coach in BYU basketball history. The name Stan Watts has stood alone for a long, long time here at BYU uh, what does it mean to be working with a guy, a coach who will soon be in that at, the, at that same spot?
2: You know, it's remarkable, uh, Greg, because so uh, my one of my best friends, his grandpa was Stan Watts, and I used to go over to Stan's house, and he would take me into his basement, and he'd have all these trophies <laughs> in his basement, and they'd all be collecting dust, and you know, whatever. <laughs> but I got the you, know, you got the essence of who that guy was, and you know, and and now to think that you know, Coach Rose is actually a guy who could surpass what uh, coach Watts did, you know, from a win-loss standpoint, that's, I mean, it's phenomenal. I mean, I, I mean, you, you talk about coach Rose and you look at those numbers and they're, I mean, we'll be in recruiting presentations with people and we'll go through all these numbers. And every time we go through them, I, I look at those numbers. I'm like, this guy is just, he's a living legend, you know? And sometimes I think when you're around him every day or, Maybe just BYU in general. When you have this guy year in year out, maybe forget those things. But what this guy has done is just uh, just outstanding.
0: Finally, Westminster tomorrow, and it's for real on uh, next Tuesday in Reno. It's coming.
2: Yeah, it's coming, and uh, you know we're we're really excited. You know, we got Westminster, and that's obviously where our focus is, and we're preparing for that. But uh, you know, also you know we have to do a little bit of work on Reno right now, which we have been. Great having you in today. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks, Rubs. All
0: right, that is BYU basketball assistant coach Quincy Lewis. He and the Cougars hosting Westminster tomorrow night in the Cougars exhibition finale. You can hear that game right here on BYU Radio, beginning with pregame coverage at 6, tip-off at 7. Coming up next, former BYU basketball shooting and scoring standout Russell Larson. It's our Catching Up with the Cougars segment, presented by BYU alumni, as Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel continues on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143 and 107.9 FM.
1: You're listening to Behind the Mic with Greg Grubell, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere.
0: It is time now for our Catching Up with the Cougars segment, brought to you by BYU Alumni. Want to help BYU students, but don't know how? You can with BYU Alumni chapters. Find the chapter that fits you at alumni.byu.edu/slash chapters. Tonight, we're catching up with one of the top 10 scorers, shooters, and rebounders in BYU Hoops history. He's also top 5 in block shots and top 10 in double-doubles. Russell Larson was the WAC Freshman of the Year in his first season with BYU in 1991-92. Then, as a junior and a senior, he was an all-WAC first-team selection. He played in three NCAA tournaments and one NIT in his four seasons at BYU. Now a successful businessman, he spends some of his spare time in the winter helping to keep stats for the BYU basketball radio broadcast tandem of Mark Durant and yours truly. It is a pleasure to welcome in Russell Larson, behind the mic. Hey, Russ. Hey, Greg. How you doing? Very well. So I've known you a little while, mm-hmm. but in, uh, in learning more about you, I found something I, I did not know. And if you've told me, I'd forgotten that you were
3: uh, born in Texas. I was born in Lubbock, Texas. Uh, I was the fourth of five kids. I have uh, three brothers and one sister. I was born at St. Mary's of the Plains Hospital in Lubbock, Texas. My dad was a professor at Texas Tech University. He taught uh, family studies and child psychology there. And uh, I grew up, I was born there and I lived there for seven years until um, my mom and dad were in a tragic car accident and passed away in that accident. And uh, that obviously shaped the, the rest of my life and and uh, still to this day is, is very impactful and um, but uh, certainly early on in those days, I didn't know, understand what the the full import of of uh, that uh, event in our lives would be, uh, being only seven years old when that happened. But definitely something that uh, changed the trajectory of my life, and and uh, you know uh, it was very uh, you know it's a very that's a very heavy thing to to I don't like to talk about it too much in public settings or anything like that not because it it's hard for me I know I've I've, I've obviously adjusted to that but um uh, over these many years but it's it's just that it's such a heavy topic that um you know I don't want to weigh people down with, with with something so so tragic as you know a a family of five kids losing their their parents but um you know we had a very good uh, support network and and uh, people rallied around us there in the, in the Lubbock Community and uh, the 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 LDS Church as well, and our family. Was it a situation that had attached to it some attention? Be- was your dad well known enough? Was this a situation that became public? Oh yeah, definitely. It was. He was. It, it was broadcast in newspapers and and mm. uh, television uh, programming and, and, and news shows and and you know it it was obviously a very unique situation where you have a, a very young family. My oldest brother was thirteen. My youngest brother was uh, was four at the time, and all of a sudden you have f- five orphans and um, you know just uh, just like that one day everything 's normal, and the next day things have uh, completely changed. so yeah, the community was very well aware of it, and I still have pretty fresh memories hmm. of funerals and travel and and um, all the things associated with it in fact, I was in the car. In the accident, um, in the backseat of a, a VW Bug, and and uh, I was sort of uh, in the middle seat. My sister was on my right, my younger brother was on my left, and and uh, kind of got a head hit head-on in, in an intersection that had some blind corners, and uh, by this uh, car that was just didn't see my my parents pulling out into the my dad pulling out in the intersection, and. And I was okay, and my sister had a concussion. My brother had some, some glass in his hair, but we were fine. And we didn't exactly know what was going on. But I have, you know, that's the beginning of my early childhood memories. I, that's so vivid, such a, such a tragic thing that you just, you know, that sticks in your mind. I remember the, the ride to the hospital in the police car. They looked me over, and I was fine. And me and my brother drove in the, the, the police car to the hospital. And, and then, then it was pretty chaotic after that. What kind of wheels were in motion to pick up your lives at that point? Yeah, so my grandparents on my mother's side—my mother was the oldest of 10 children. They lived in Ogden, um, and they came down. um, They only had one uh, of my aunts still living with them. Everyone else had had married and moved on. So they were able to move down with us uh, to Lubbock uh, in the home that we had there uh, for uh, three or four months um, when the school— year kind of wrapped up they had made a decision they take over guardianship of of all the kids they made a decision to move all five children in with my uncle and aunt that lived in in idaho falls and they had two small children themselves so they went from a family of two to seven and um and we we uh, made that work for it was really hard on them i'm sure and and uh, bless their hearts for taking us in and doing doing such a kind um act of charity for that family uh, that was in such need. And I love them to death. and, and uh, But it came such a strain that, that my uh, grandparents saw put on that family that they decided a couple of years later to then break up the family again. And um, uh, my younger brother and I moved in with one of my, my uncles on my mom's side still. And they didn't have any children at the time. And that was in Ogden. Then we quickly moved to South Weber where where um I kind of stayed through my high school years and then my older siblings kind of went uh with other uncles and aunts you know obviously having you know decades and decades of retrospect um I don't think I would have handled that way um because I think it, you know having that core family together uh was really um it, it, something that would have been really valuable to that To to us as children, the good news is that you know I don't dwell on that. Don't have any regrets. They did the best they could, and I love my grandparents to death. And they they you know a lot of people sacrificed on our behalf. So so I don't want to sound make it sound like a negative or anything like that. But um, it would have been better for us to stay together as a core family and grow up together, have each other to rely on, and all that that kind of thing. So what ended up happening is we kind of ended up being sort of like cousins in terms of we'd see each other at family events and and holidays and those kind of things. And we didn't end up having much of a relationship, you know, way before the days of cell phones where you can kind of interact over text or or social media. Um, We called each other occasionally but um, kind of lost touch with each other there for about 10 years. And then uh, the wonderful wonderful thing, and it brings it kind of full circle to BYU, is all of my siblings came back to BYU and we were all in school um, really – at the same time in the early 90s. And so we kind of reformed a connection. Um, my oldest brother had just graduated and, and got his engineering degree, a graduate degree here at BYU. And then my younger brother and I, I had returned from a mission. I was a freshman, post-mission freshman, and he was a pre-mission freshman. And we got to spend time together and my other siblings were here as well. So it was really kind of a wonderful reunion uh, and uh, BYU kind of made all that happen. So, so it's a really special place for me in a lot of ways. Well, thanks for sharing as much as you did about that
0: and to introduce the athletics component of this after settling in South Weber that put you on track to to attend high school at clearfield right that's right to what sports did you gravitate
3: and when did you get the sense that basketball was going to be it for you well I mean early on i was I was tall i was uh fairly athletic as as a youngster and you know um knew that basketball i didn't obviously didn't have didn't know what my future was going to be i didn't when i was you know 9 or 10 years old I didn't realize i I'd, I'd be 6'10 and, <laughs> and have a natural physical ability to to play basketball but you know i loved the sport and and was uh put in leagues early on and and then in high school i started getting into all-star um events and teams and and uh, started traveling around a little bit but um but yeah so basketball was was really kind of early on i was sort of on that path and and uh um and luckily my my family gave me the opportunity to play um I would go you know typical story right you go you know, once you realize you really love something then then you you pursue pursue it and I would go to the church building early and late and shoot shoot in the church gym when no one else was there and and uh the the church leadership made that happen for me it was awesome and um and my my brothers would uh rebound for me and um so and then my uh track was um also in the picture because my brother was a high jumper and he was a state champion high high jumper my brother doug that uh, went to school in orem he was an orem tiger two time state champion, and hmm. so I thought, well, if he can uh jump high jump you know I might as well give it a try and so i started in my started uh on the track team when I was in uh junior high started uh trying this thing called high jump and <laughs> And uh, sadly, I didn't get my brother's uh, springs until after my mission. I came home when I was really after my mission to Argentina. Something happened in those two years um, where uh, maybe it's not the typical story, but I came home and I was really, I could run way faster as like, you know, the $6 million man. I felt <laughs> like I had new legs and I could jump, you know, I should have really gone out to, to for the track team at BYU. Basketball recruitment, uh, BYU was obviously in the mix. Who else was, and was it always going to be BYU for you? It was always going to be BYU for me if I was given the opportunity. So um, I I wasn't recruited until uh, early on in my senior year by BYU, because in between my junior and senior year, um, I, may, I may have been on their radar, I don't know, but... Um, uh, I wasn't actually f- officially contacted until hmm. early on in my senior year. Wow. Um, I always wore a BYU headband on my on my leg above my ankle. I I was a Cougar fan from the time I you know I knew about BYU. Uh, We'd come to the football games, and to this very day, uh, going to a BYU football game is not only nostalgic for me. There's something to it that just you know gets to me, you know right to my heart. I just love. B Y U athletics, especially the football and and basketball programs, and so I was just just had early connections. So then I also knew, you know, would pay attention to you know radio broadcasts back, you know, the Paul James days when, you know, back in in Danny Ainge era, you know, that was the earliest area I started listening, and and then uh, Devin Durant and and then Michael Smith, Andy Toulson, Marty House. That that group too was just sort of my my idols, and and um, you know, B Y U was just you know always going to be the be my uh my choice if I was given the opportunity to and so i was recruited um right before in the summer of my junior year in high school i went down to a a Ulster tournament in phoenix and I was then contacted by the b y u coaching staff. You know other schools. You know, all the in-state schools. Lynn Archibald at, at Utah was recruiting me too, and Weber State. And in fact, funny story. At, at Weber State, they sent me a brochure. I filled it out, and they and they asked me uh, name the top three schools of of your order of choice. And and I put BYU. <laughs> Uh, I think Weber State just to be polite, and then, <laughs> and then no one else after that. So, so they, they got it. the Weber State coaches got a kick when I went on my my uh, recruiting visit there that, that I, had, I ordered, listed BYU as the as the top choice. Yeah, we got an honest kid on our
0: hands. here's That's what we right. got. Uh, break time on behind the mic. When we come back, at Russ Larson's BYU days. We'll also talk about the life after hoops. As behind the mic with Greg Grubel continues. We are brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. More with Russ Larson next.
1: We're listening to Behind the Mic with Greg Grubell brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans
0: everywhere. Continuing now our conversation with former BYU hoopster Russell Larson, the current Cougars. Play their exhibition finale tomorrow night, home to Westminster, and then the season opener at Nevada next Tuesday right here on BYU Radio. Before the break, we talked about, uh, Russ, you being recruited by BYU. You committed to them, but it was going to be a while till you played because uh, you went from high school to Argentina on a church mission before you began uh, your BYU career. And you're one of those guys that got to play four years
3: straight that was my plan. And and, um, I went on a church mission uh, to Buenos Aires, Argentina. It was a wonderful experience. I I returned home. Uh, You know, new coaching staff was in place. And I hadn't really exchanged many, I don't think I even exchanged one letter with uh, BYU. They might have sent me a postcard or something. So I got home and I wasn't sure that I was still on scholarship I presumed I was so I called <laughs> to the BYU basketball office you know no offense to them but they weren't maybe super organized uh, at that point and um and I called in the basketball office and I think I got Jeff Reinert who was a, a basketball assistant at that time and went on to coach at, at UVU and elsewhere and um and he's I introduced myself and I said um I think I'm a player on the team this coming season <laughs> and he says who is this uh russ larson oh yeah of course yeah of course we'll we'll get you set up and he kind of got the the wheels in motion the other funny story is that uh, somebody said on um, the the detailing months of my mission they said you you know you need to apply to byu so you can get in as a student i said really i thought they'd take that take care of that for me and and uh lo and behold they had not so i I hurried and got my application <laughs> in, and you know, tough as, to play if you're not in school. I, I yeah. think that's part of the rules. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, so I got home, and a week or a couple of days later, I got in the mail a rejection letter. I'm sorry to inform you, Mr. Larson, that you have not been accepted because you you know you you applied late or whatever the the reason was. And I called the the uh, basketball office again and said, should I? Do something about this. Uh, I probably need to be enrolled in school. And they said, yeah, we'll get right on that. Uh, two days later, congratulations. I <laughs> opened the letter. Congratulations. <laughs> you've been accepted to Brigham Young University.
0: Freshman season at BYU. Trost and Nixon are the leading scorers. You start one game. Mm-hmm. Sophomore season at BYU. Trost and Sanderson are the leading scorers. You start now 19 games. Mark Durant starts 14 that year. You make the NCAAs both years. First time you run up against... Shaq, yep. and LSU, yeah,
3: yep. uh, and LSU. You know and that it, I that I don't know if you're gonna you talk about this, but there's but a record involved with that game. There's a record in there, yeah, yeah. Uh, block shots, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, did he get you a couple times? I got, I gave him four, <laughs> so gave- I feel like I'm in the NCAA <laughs> r- record books. Just, just sort of not. Printed in right, yeah.
0: One of his victims. Uh, the next year you win a game in advance, uh, Kansas knocks you out in mm-hmm. so you get knocked out by Shaq one year in Kansas the next year. You end up with three NCAAs in the four years junior season, NIT, NIT. Fresno
3: and ASU, ASU and Fresno, ASU I think, ASU, beat ASU here in the Marriott Center, then and go, then to, go Fresno. to Fresno, which was sort of a frustration for us because. Yeah, we didn't know how that all worked. It wasn't seeding back then. Yeah. it was just sort of you know, someone powers that be would just decide where to go. And then you know, Fresno's arrival. so you know, I guess I'm I'm, I'm a little bit bitter. But uh, you know, Brian Stannio was on that team. Us. Yeah, he was on you know um, for Fresno. Yeah, he yeah. he he hit a million threes and and uh, it was uh, it was a tough tough thing for us. But yeah, the, then my senior year. We we lost to Tulane. Got back to the NCAA. So in your yep. junior season and your senior season,
0: you go from not starting to part-time starter to starting 64 out of 64 games over your last two years. Led BYU in scoring in both of those years. All-WAC first team both both of those years. And again, postseason NIT and NCAA. And uh, I, I I still every time I introduce you on our radio broadcasts,
3: your sixth all-time leading scorer, Russ Larson. When I introduce <laughs> you now, still in that top ten. Those were really fun years. We had really good teams, as you mentioned. You know, you don't go to the NCAA. I don't care if it's ten years ago or right now or twenty or thirty years. You know, getting to the NCAA tournament is a, a feat and a challenge. And there's, there's, you, you're competing against hundreds of other teams to, to for those sixty four spots. And so it was a real, you know, proud. Um, uh, period in my life that um you know we were able to put a team together that was so consistently good and winning 20 games you know consistently was was no uh give i mean it seems like it these you know with with dave rose era that it's just a given but we just had so much fun we get great teammates you mentioned some of the names and um we just had a good core group of and, and and solid coaching and and just a uh, you know, had great success, and so you you take it a little bit for granted. Well, um, you know, BYU ought to always be this good, and sometimes in those those uh, uh, bleaker years, you know, you realize, oh no, there was real talent. And and I just I, I just kind of came into my own. I just kind of fit into those pieces, and you know, I was I was more of a power forward, and Gary Trost was the center, and then Ken Roberts kind of became the center, and I was able to do kind of my style, play my style of basketball, which was move slash cut shoot um, dunk you know I w- I was I could play back to the basket I could you know post people up you know pass the ball I, you know that that's the kind of um, basketball that I like to play I can't move quite as well as I and certainly can't jump like I used to but <laughs> but uh, those were fun days to look back on and, and have such great success high point or high points of your BYU career would you say uh, well, I think if the, from a team perspective, our, the best team I was on was my sophomore team, the team with Gary Trost, with uh, uh, Nick Sanderson, Kevin Nixon. And that's where you advanced in the NCAA. Mark Durant. yeah. yeah. And, and we went to the NCAA, beat SMU in, our, in the first round rather handily, and we were on the door of beating Kansas. I mean, we a we, few things bounce our way. Uh, a few calls, a few you know um, good breaks. We only lost to them by you know uh, maybe it was six or eight, but we were up in the last couple minutes on Kansas in the last in the second half, and we had a chance to win that game. And then I think that we have a chance to kind of go pretty deep. And you know, I dwell on that uh, not because you know I'm uh, I'm a naysayer and an eor, but uh, you know it's it's one of those things that if if that team goes. To the Sweet 16, beats Kansas. Then it's an all-timer type team, and so that was a real high point for me. And then, you know, my junior and senior year, um, having individual success, um, you know, beating Utah. I think that our junior year we beat them three times. Uh, you know, I, I can't look back on much at all uh, on my BYU career and and, uh, and say that that was that was a bad thing. It was just all. Highlights and all, all, all good things. Now there was a moment where I had thought about between my my uh, sophomore and junior year about leaving BYU, and that's a whole another. Maybe that's another segment. <laughs> um, but you know, all, it all worked out, and I came back to BYU and and um, went on to to really enjoy my experience and, and not regret that decision of coming back.
0: What had you been planning for immediately after your
3: BYU career? Well, I was uh, I hadn't had a a, a uh, long outlook. Um, I, I just want to go play keep playing as long as i could i went to a nba what now is the chicago camp it was split between phoenix and chicago so i went to the phoenix camp um and they had me playing at set center so i wasn't i mean i was known in the west but i wasn't known necessarily necessarily so i was kind of out of out of uh out of position played you know i was guarding greg ostertag and these big bodies and and uh, and so that kind of put me out of position. Probably put me in a situation where no one was really interested in me in the NBA. Also, my style of play sort of predates the current style in the NBA, which is you know perimeter, you know run and gun, you know big guys or shooters mm-hmm. um, and slashers. The the Kevin Durant style. So I was uh, maybe a little bit before my time. I think that in in the current era, right. I may have had a different opportunity to look. But um, but I went. Um, you know I still had opportunities to go play in Europe so I, so I uh was contacted by a European uh agent and they connected me with a Spanish team in Bilbao um and uh, we had uh, good success there we were one of the top 4 of the 63 teams in that in that league that I played in and averaged you know twenty one, twenty two, and 10 rebounds and so um yeah it was it was uh it was positive experience all the way around uh, of my professional career, but I kind of had to weigh my life and so sit back and say, "What do I want to do with my, with my life? Do I want to hang up the sneakers and be done?" And, and I felt at that time, it was it was, it was time and and uh, to kind of move on and, and pursue other interests and and uh, finish up my degree at BYU and, and then move on and see where. My career would take me uh, on the business side of things, and one of the schools that I applied to was uh, was Yale University, where my brother was attending medical school. The other Y, the other Y, yeah, 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 that's right. So I'm still blue. I'm still Y, and um, and as Mark Durant would point out, I'm a bulldog because he's a Provo bulldog, right. but, And the uh, Yale uh, Yale are mascots are bulldogs. But um, then I, I went there for two years. My my brother and I lived across the apartment complex from each other. It was just a wonderful sort of reuniting with them. Him and his wife and his family, and uh, Yale was, you know, it it really kicked my my butt in terms of the education and um, sort of opened my eyes to new possibilities with my career. And then I went on to work for IBM and. And then now my current job at uh, Boostability, which is a uh, uh, local internet marketing.
0: So I was going to say, how's business and family life? And how excited are you to join us for a few games again? Uh, courtside, working with, uh, working with Mark and me it has to be a, a career highlight for you.
3: It really is. Well, <laughs> I mean, you, you, you try to make – you're making a little bit of light of it. But I really love being part of the broadcast. And, and now, I mean, you and Mark are a staple, and you've been together for 16, 17 years? We're starting our 22nd. Your tw- 22nd year. Okay, so yeah. I'm, I'm behind the times. but. So uh, you know, and and uh, BYU fans everywhere know uh, you as, as a great tandem uh, with Mark Durant, and I just I just like being part of you know the popular guys. We and, love having and, you. and the cool kids. Yeah, and um, and and I just help out with the, some of the, the st- statistics that you that most people don't even realize are, are kind of being thrown out there, and uh, just kind of sit to your ride and try to feed you information that's useful to you, and and I just love being part of that experience. It keeps me connected with. Uh, with BYU and the, and the program, it's just been like um, Quincy was saying, it was just so it's been so successful. The Jimmer years were probably the highlight in terms of that, as far as that goes. Jimmer was is just a phenomenon, as everyone knows. Just watching him play and the sort of the crowd following after you know his senior year and everything, and that was just so much fun to watch them and be part of that. And I have to say, Greg, you're you're a true pro in every sense of the in the word you people have probably have some sense of how difficult it would be to kind of broadcast you know a high paced type of event like basketball basketball 's got to be the 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 quickest pace of all the sports that that you you broadcast and keeping it all in front of you and being able to translate that. Verbally and the in such a you know sort of flowing, um, intuitive kind of uh, just a conversational way. It's just unbelievable to watch you work. It's I've always been in awe of you, and Mark having a having you know with his wit and his his insight and just his his uh, intelligence just. I just love being a part of it. I just want to thank you publicly for just being allowing me to to be a, a small part of it and I've just loved it uh, every time. And so I look forward to another great season. Yeah, well, you're very kind and I think we make a great team. You mentioned boostability. What's your family
0: up to? Where is everybody?
3: Yeah, so I have five kids. Um my uh beautiful lovely wife Christy, uh she is uh she's just doing Halloween events today and she's she kind of keeps uh, ch- chases the kids around. Uh, I've got five kids, uh, two boys, three girls. My girls are dancers. Uh, my two oldest are dancers. My I have a junior at American Fork High School, Gracie. She's on the drill team. She's a K-Vet uh, at American Fork High School. Uh, Taylor, my oldest, was a walk-on at Utah State for the basketball program last year. He's not going to play this year, just going to go to school. Um, and then Kaylin uh, is my 19-year-old. She uh, She's graduated from high school, still lives at home. She's a wonderful lover to death. And then Davis is my uh, eighth grader. Uh, he's a he's a baller, and he plays golf with me. He's my little buddy, and, and Bridget is my 10-year-old and she's a dancer and a basketball player. She may be don't tell Taylor this or Davis, but she may be our best athlete in the family. Okay. So it's going to be we'll see what happens when she has to make the choice between dance and and basketball, but she's she's uh just a uh, just a wonderful um, spirit in our home and and just uh, brings a great uh, light to us. So uh family's great and um and and it's just it 's just great to live here in utah county and 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 be close to the to b y u and the program be close to the Rubells and the Durants and And um, I just uh, have been really blessed. Well, great having you in tonight, Russ.
0: Again, I I spent enough time with you. It's amazing I could learn more about you than I did today, but I appreciate your time. You bet. All right, Thanks a lot. That is our Catching Up with the Cougars segment brought to you by BYU Alumni. BYU Alumni chapters help students in need and spread the influence of the Y around the world. Stay connected for good and find your chapter at alumni.byu.edu slash chapters. Back to wrap up tonight's show right after this. thanks for joining us behind the mic on this Halloween night, Wednesday, October 31st. Thanks to my guests this evening, BYU basketball assistant coach Quincy Lewis and former BYU hoopster Russell Larson. Next week, join me as I chat with BYU women's basketball head coach Jeff Judkins and former BYU punter and current athletics administrator Lee Johnson. Thanks to coordinating producer Terry South with production assistance from Cole Wissinger. My name is Greg Grubel. Thanking you for tuning in to Behind the Mic. We'll talk to you next Wednesday, 8 Eastern, 6 Mountain, right here on BYU Radio. Till then, good night.
1: You have been listening to Behind the Mic with the voice of the Cougars, Greg Grubel. Brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Listen to the podcast at byuradio.org.